coming up on this episode of The Courage to Change. Wow, you're really good at that sport for a girl, you know, Mm, or mm. you're really, you look really good for your age. You know what I mean? You look really good for a trans person. You look just like a guy for a trans person. You know, like I would have never known, but there are moments even in, you know, my career and other moments where I'm like, are people thinking, are people kind of just impressed with me because I'm trans? You know what I mean? Is it just because like for, for being trans, like, no, I just want to be a special guy. You know, I don't want to be like a special trans guy. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassingame, and I am your host. Welcome if you are joining us for the first time, and welcome back if you are a regular listener. Today, we have Lucas Krigler. Lucas is an advertising creative director at McCann World Group in New York City. Throughout his career, he's worked on brands such as the New York Lottery, Hornitos Tequila, TGI Fridays, Vibram Five Fingers, Mike and Ike Candies, Honda, and MasterCard. His work has earned Clio Awards, Gold Lion Awards, One Show Pencils, and and was even nominated for a Creative Arts Emmy. Killing it. Through his Instagram account, at CoolTransLuke. Lucas is a transgender activist and has been featured by companies such as Alan Cummings brand Rock Soup, Marco Marco Underwear, Logo TV, Tinder, Out Magazine, Bravo TV's Get a Room, Tom Hardy, and MTV's One Style Fits All. While not grinding in his day-to-day, Lucas enjoys spending time strolling Brooklyn with his two boxer dogs and staying fit by hitting the gym. Whoop, whoop. This is an awesome episode talking about something that can often be uh, controversial in the sense that a lot of people use the wrong terminology to talk about uh, the trans community. I really wanted to get someone on the podcast who is transgender and also in recovery and can talk about both of those things independently and alongside one another. We had a great conversation. Lucas was really helpful in explaining surgeries, gender, sexual orientation. He walked me through a lot of the feelings, a lot of the reasons why people drink, a lot of the reasons why people struggle when looking at former pictures. There was a lot of questions that I had that Lucas made me feel comfortable to ask so that he could guide me in the right way to talk about these topics, which I really appreciated because sometimes the truth is I want to be an ally and I don't always know how to talk about the topics or I don't always understand why certain issues are are difficult and others aren't. So it was just a really informative, helpful conversation and we got to talk about recovery. I urge you to check this out have an open mind, listen, learn something. Uh, really, really wonderful time with Lucas. All right. So episode 103. Let's do this. You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We're a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. 
Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Lucas, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. I'm very excited as well. Thank you so much for having me on, Ashley. I've been I've been trying to get you to come on this podcast for a while. You've been you've been busy and I'm I I'm glad that my persistence paid off. Well, me too. It's uh it's been a long time coming, but I hope I make it worth the wait. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So you are a person in recovery and you've had oh I can't forget this. So we started, we, every episode in season three, we start off with a crazy, you know, we call it bad hair, haircut picture, hairstyle, whatever. But the one you sent it, I'm like, that's not that bad. You kind of look good. (laughs) If that's bad, you're doing all right. But anyway, we start with this photo. So I have this photo of you. Do you know which photo I'm talking about? Yes. Yes, I do. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You want to tell me about it? Well, it was, yeah, it's my, it was my failed attempt at trying to dye my hair. Oh, home hair color. Been to that yeah. party. Mm-hmm. 1-800-CLARAL. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you were trying to go blonde and it went like little yeah, orange. I didn't realize that I was, there were so many steps like in, you know, having short hair. I, I, uh, you know, I ended up just abandoning the whole thing. I, I just said, I, I'm going to let it grow out. At this point, luckily, I've got short hair, so it didn't take too long. It was maybe like six months, <laughs> maybe max, for it to completely grow out. But oh, you yeah, didn't was, shave it? No, I didn't shave it. No, I really, I, I had more hair when I had this, and now my hair is like a little bit thinner, but um, not due to the well, hopefully, not due to this one incident of too much dye but um yeah are you showing it (laughs) yeah yeah Uh it's awesome i know i i i i have been i've done this and and even worse i was trying to do the jerry hollowell spice girls thing and like do the streaks and then instead it was like the orange streaks so yeah it went like super well yeah i mean i it could have been worse i guess it could have been a lot more orange but um I, I know that you're supposed to um, do some sort of treatment afterwards, and I yeah. just didn't. I didn't have it, and yeah, it was all right. I, I probably have worse, but I didn't. I didn't want to show any like pre- really bad. Yeah, well, if you go too far back, then I just don't even look my like. Like, there's a lot of of what my fashion and sense that was completely off. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to go too far back and and ruin ruin the whole the whole spiel my whole life but you know i i don't know if i'm trying to like save save my story for for the meat of the the conversation here no (laughs) let's 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 get it i mean it's a it's actually a great place to start because you know talking about what you know this is a how long ago was this picture that we're looking at um yeah that wasn't too long ago actually Uh, that was only like I was living in LA, so 2017, 2016. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I looked a long. bit younger, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, so, you know, one thing I, I want to be really transparent with you about this conversation is I like did a whole bunch of research and was like, what things are, you know, trying to be, you know, trying, <laughs> trying to not say the wrong thing or trying to use the word, the right terminology. And, that kind of thing. And, and 
you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast was that you're, you're sober, but you also identify as trans. And there's so many people, I, I have conversations with so many people about how we want to be supportive, but we feel like we can't ask any questions or talk about it in the right way. We don't know how, and, or there's things we don't understand and we want to ask questions about, but we don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings and that kind of thing. Like, so I, you know, I really want to get into the conversation with you about, and hopefully I will do it in the right way. And if not, you can help me <laughs> tell me what the Absolutely. right, right, the right, right is. So that, cause uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who feel that way. It's like, it's, it's, just, they're afraid, you know, and even I had this feeling they're afraid to get into it because they don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. right. And they, they don't want to be, you know, we all want to be woke, right. We'd like, don't want to say the wrong, <laughs> don't want to say the wrong thing. So, um, right. but tell me about you, tell me about sobriety. Tell me about like, what was, you know, start with kind of what your childhood home looked like and, and where you grew up. What's your background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I do want to preface this and kind of give my own personal disclaimer here that my story doesn't look like everybody else's, you know, right. um, being trans, we all experience life just as, you know, individuals typically do in different ways with different, different pa life paths. And, you know, just because we're all trans doesn't mean that we're all the same and, and sharing the same experiences. So I, my, my story is unique in that I, was actually very, very lucky. I grew up um, in a very, very accepting household. Um, my parents raised me just really with a bunch of love, like an abundance of love, abundance of acceptance. Um, I was adopted. Uh, I was I was a month old when I was adopted. And I like to think that the reason, and actually my parents are also um, pretty Christian. We grew up in a Christian household, but also Episcopalian. So yeah. the Episcopal household was, you know, my mom was Catholic. My dad was Presbyterian and they kind of, they, the landed story on goes, it. they landed in the middle <laughs> and, um, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. So, and, you know, I lucked out in the sense that, you know, um, the way that they interpret, you know, the, the Christianity, uh, the Episcopalians, you know, we had a lesbian minister, you know, we were yep. kind of like the first denomination to be really accepting, I think. And with that, you know, with that kind of Christian background, my parents also take from the Bible, like the good parts I was raised with, you know, judge not lest he be judged and right. love your, you know, love thy neighbor. And they were just, I mean, I cannot praise my mom and dad more and just their full hearted, like acceptance and, and, you know, and they're still together, you know? Um, and I got to say that my story is just, very unique in that sense for a trans person, you know, yeah. um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always end like that. And, um, my heart goes out to, to those circumstances and those, um, people who live that, that life, but, but yeah. Um, so that's how it started. Uh, I was, I was a month old and I think my parents, you know, they just decided whatever God gives to us, yeah. you know, they could, you know, we're going to accept them. And I've taken the, I have run the gamut. Let me <laughs> tell you. Like, wow, you're really putting us to the test, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, taking it literally. Everything. Uh, I mean, I think you know, maybe maybe they're kicking themselves, but they they made it very um, clear to us. My brother, I say us because you know my brother was also adopted, and we're not even biologically related. Um, he's a couple years younger than me, but they. <laughs> I think that just this 
acceptance and 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 also being very aware that we were adopted so young kind of made they pushed they put us they were like let's see what these kids are gonna be yeah i mean the world was like at our fingertips i mean you know i love them for that they put me in all the sports but you know not just sports you know ballet you know i was in piano lessons ballet you know um just what are they going to take to you know my parents are math oriented. I ended up being an artist, you know, I, yeah. I'm very athletic. They're not, you know, they, my mom always laughed, you know, she's like, they don't, they golf, but you know, they're very like, they're nerds, <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting to see, you know, where I took it. And then obviously like I, with that being said, you know, I literally have come into my truest self because of them. And I owe it all to them where I've just had every experience truly and just been like this is me like to the fullest i this point in 2021 i've never felt more completely aligned with everything you know that i've ever wanted to be and so now you know obviously there are other goals in life that i'd love to do you know you know visit tahiti someday or something i don't know snorkeling in tahiti no yeah but um yeah i'm very fortunate did you, um, when did you start to look around or did you, maybe you didn't, um, but look around and go, you know, I'm not sure that I, like, I'm, I'm not sure you and I are the same or like, I, I feel differently than all these other people or something like that. Notice a difference. Yeah. It was for me because I was able, I was so accepted, you know, I mean, you'll have trans people who came out in the middle, you know, in the middle of the country or, you know, in a non-accepting place. Yeah. And there are the pioneers even, you know, back in the day when it wasn't accepting really anywhere accepted and they have paved the way. And I mean, I know people who have just, you know, their parents have disowned them. They're the only person in this podunk town getting their hormones from Mexico across the border, you know, back in the day. And are like, I am trans. I don't know anybody else that is. I've never seen myself. I don't even know, you know, and they're, I mean, wow. You know, I mean, I I just really am like amazed by them and and very, very thankful for, especially like the people that came before us. I didn't feel the need, I guess. And and those types of people, sometimes, you know, they, they think that, I'm not grouping them, but I'm saying that there is um, uh, sometimes a bit of a discrepancy between like people in our community that are like, you know, because you've taken your time to transition or you're not choosing to do it this particular way, you know, you're not as trans as me, you Mm. know, and that's not (laughs) really fair, you know, because there is a spectrum just as if, you know, there's a spectrum of sexuality. There's a, there's a spectrum of gender as well. You know, you can, you know, there are polar, you know, the poles, you know, the binary of male, female, there's the, there's the binary of straight gay, but everything in between, you know, the bisexuality and then also the gender, is a vast, you know, gradient. So I took my time. So then I explored the entire damn gradient. <laughs> you know, I it was makes just sure, like, you know? through the gradient. Oh my God, <laughs> of all amazing. Of it, all of it. 
because I didn't feel the need. I, I was never like um, feeling like I needed to push anybody out of my life or push away from something or to be like, to, to re- I didn't feel rejected. I felt accepted every step of the way. So I didn't feel this tension of like, F you, I'm this, I'm out of here. Right, know? right, it right. Wasn't you didn't a have life to or define death it. Thing for me. So I kind of cruised, you know, I, <laughs> For better or for worse. Uh, but I'm also, you know, the type of person that I wanted to experience everything. I just was brought up that way. So when I was a very young child, you know, and a lot of trans people point to these these times in their life, they say, you know, well, when I was in first grade, when I was, you know, out of the womb, like essentially, you know, when you're a little child, I don't know the psych- psychological, like actual, like medical tech textbook but you know you can read about it like gender and sexuality and all that really doesn't exist you're just a kid playing in the sandbox you know and those that like all through elementary school i was you know i had a brother i had cousins and stuff that were like guys but like but like i said you know i also had the opportunity to express my femininity as it were as a child i told my mom when i was in first grade mom for a birthday party i said i do not tell Tell everyone, and you need to tell all their parents, mom, I don't want dolls. I right. don't want dolls. Do not, you know, I demanded that nobody brought me dolls for my birthday party. Uh, my first word was ball. You know what I mean? So, and it was funny. And I, and I was actually known as the Umbro girl at the time because you know, I don't know if y'all know what Umbros are. I'm an 80s kid, but they were like these shorts that were oh, like. Oh, yeah. Umbro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Umbro, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, and, um, I was, thought it was something more complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah fashion. No. Yes, right. Yeah, fashion. Or well, whatever. If you want to yeah, whatever it, it was. The, the, the checkered, like they were like checker yeah 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 yeah, shiny i refused to wear anything but umbros for a while it was like i had these bright green ones it was just like (laughs) i wasn't a dress person we would go to church and my brother would be like fiddling with his tie and hating it and taking it off and always complaining about it and i'm sitting here looking at him being like you're lucky you can you get to wear a suit and a tie that's cool that's easy i don't want to wear this dress you know so i knew at a very young age now as I was progressing through life, there becomes a social aspect of it. And I got in high school. Actually, while well, I played soccer, I really took to soccer. My parents finally had to cut, call it down and say, we can't do all the sports anymore. Yeah. So you got to choose when I, I took to soccer. I cut my hair short because I was tired of it. I didn't want to ever wear it back. I just didn't like it, you know? And uh, so I would always have it in my face. And I was like, oh, I got to get this out of my face. I cut it short. And then I started... You know, I remember it being in recess one time in elementary school. I kicked the soccer. I was really good, you know, and I was also, I tried out. Anyways, I kicked the ball over the goal, which was a big feat for, you know, a 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember the goalie was a boy, and he like looked over. He's like, whoa, he watched it go over the net, and he turns around, and he goes, are you a boy or a girl? You know, it was just like, yeah. he couldn't believe it. And always, you know, and so I started to, and I was like a girl, you know, I just, uh, I didn't like the stigma that was coming with being mistaken for a boy because it wasn't accepted. Uh, and it was all, okay. it was just this stigma, you know? But did you know, like, I always wonder about, like, did you know that that was what was going to happen? Like when you cut your hair short, did you, or was, was that surprise? I was you? clueless, you know, as a kid, I just was being me, right? You know? And my right. parents were letting me be me. And at home, I didn't, I wasn't up against that. You know, they didn't, they know, you know, I have pictures, you know, that you can 
share with your audience somewhere where it's like, you know, I'm dressed in like Ninja Turtle stuff. I mean, I was just having fun and being myself and I love to like, but you know, like I'm saying, like then middle school rolled around and Mm. I just got, you know, constantly like, you know, actually even in first grade, I also had a like really deep voice. Apparently I used to have this PE teacher that would that would find me in middle school. Like my parent, my mom is also a school teacher. So, you know, I'd see her and she'd be like, I remember you, you were that kid with that little, that deep voice. Like, Hey, I'm good to meet you. You know, I was like, thanks for calling me out. You know, yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like the stigma. And so I even started changing my voice. I started to socially adapt. I started seeing that girls are supposed to act this way Mm -hmm. and girls are flirting with guys. And and I remember training my voice to be more flirty. I remember like making Mm. the cognizant decision, uh, like the effect at the end and like the flirtiness and like, you know, I made it and I grew my hair out. I said, I'm never going to be mistaken again. I don't Mm. like this. Okay. And I started dating guys, you know, and um, did what I could. Of course, I dated like all the guys that I dated were like my best friends. You know what I mean? Right, we would right. play video games together and we would, you know, do all this, all these, all the sports together and all this stuff. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I loved like romping around. I'm from Virginia, you know, so we'd have like, you know, a lot of like fishing or whatever we'd do outside. I was just like, I loved it. But, you know, ultimately, yeah, I, I mean, my sexual attraction, I, okay, so I guess middle school, I remember having a crush on like a softball teacher or softball coach. And that was kind of my first, like, uh oh, I had this thought and I pushed it out of my mind because I was in like young life. I was a Christian also. Right, like, right, right. And, I, and my first boyfriend actually was um, a minister's son. So we were. <laughs> you know, through my head, I was just like, this is, these are impure thoughts. Like, I can't think about Mm -hmm. this. And then I, um, I had another boyfriend, very, my longest relationship was with a guy even to this day. And we're still, we're still really good friends. Actually. It's, it's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, I ended up going to college and all through college, we I was dating this other guy. And then I went into, and I was in Virginia still, I didn't stray too far from home. Mainly because you were still, you were still, Presenting, presenting as, as female yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah i have pictures of like you know through college I mean, just, yes through college okay. the, the, it, it was it's such a stark difference to see how i was as a child versus like college you know i you know i just wanted to fit in yeah and it was you know and I, and then i had this boyfriend who was like an ex-military ex-marine you know and i wanted to like impress him he didn't even really care but it was just like I don't know. You know, I just didn't even think, you know, it was even an option really. Right. And I, and I hear a lot of trans stories that are like that, that are just like, and you know, why, why, I don't know why fight it, I guess. I just was like, well, I was born with this and this is how it is, you know? So do you feel like, and this is the way that I think about it and the way that I've described it to other people when I'm talking to them, like, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be born in the wrong body like that everything else like every other political you know whatever like trying to be right like all i have to do to have empathy and 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 compassion for the situation is like i don't know what that would feel like cuz right. 
that never occurred to me. And I think that's sometimes why it's so hard for people to understand is because that that's like, you know, in my head, that's like me being born thinking I'm a dog or whatever, right? Like, right? like I don't know, it just didn't occur to me that that could happen. And right. so, so when I see people and I, and now, you know, I have little kids and I have two little boys and I see it in other kids. I see, you know, you see it in little, little kids. They're, they're being themselves. It's not, it's totally, right. you can see it's totally biological. Whatever's happening is happening. And, you know, it's interesting to me, like what, what that would feel like, you know, thinking about it from that perspective. And then you start to add in everything that the world is telling you, right? So there's the confusion right up front. And then there's the confusion as you go into like, well, what is this? And if you've never been exposed to anyone who's trans, then you don't even know what's going on, right? Is that, does that, that's, that's what it yeah. looks like from afar. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that, um, I mean, for me, you know, like I said, I was like always, I've, I've always been me and everybody says that, you know, all the trans people that you talk to, it's like, well, I've always been me like inside. I've always been me. And, and looking back at pictures, like it makes me cringe. I don't want to like completely discount my past. I have beautiful experiences really in, you know, a really, you know, nice up, upbringing, but I think maybe I just avoided, I avoided mirrors a lot, you know, like I just, wanted, I was just being myself and like, the, the really, really wild thing, and, and, you know, there was a moment, I mean, not a specific moment, but, I mean, definitely a solid, like, period of my life where I started, and excuse me, because we'll get into, if you want to talk, like, first of all, I don't want to be the entire voice for the trans community, but I can tell you how, how I feel about things and then how other people, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, how it could be received. But, you know, there's a thing called passing, and passing as a male I pass as a male now because I think I can sit in the back of an Uber and the Uber driver won't realize that I'm trans, you know? And that's kind of, that was my, my go-to marker here being here in New York, you know? And, you know, there's a thing called passing privilege too, that, you know, I can kind of fly below the radar and not get called out and it's safer for me in a lot of, you know, where it might not be for other people that can be called out. And there are other people that, you know, may not have access to hormones for religious reasons, for health reasons, et cetera, or just not, might not want to take their transition to that extent, to being um, completely binary, you know, a male or a female. But for me, just for the sake of this conversation, I, my point where I was like, I am my truest self was when I was passing because it wasn't how I felt that changed. It was how people saw me and and treated me and it it is a real like wild thing to experience that because i'm like whoa it's it's almost like you've been shouted like like completely trapped in this shell like i'm me i'm just being me right and personality wise you're just being yourself I'm just being me. And then all of a sudden people are seeing you. I just remember there was this one guy even here at the, I work in advertising at the agency that like high five me, I guess like it, it all happened very fast. I went on hormones and within like, you know, within a year and a half, I was passing even maybe even a year. And I remember the guy, it was maybe like a year and a half in to my transition. He like high five me. Cause he'd seen me in the beginning. He's like, he's like, Hey man. Yeah. He's like, you know, 
you know, Lucas, when you first got here, he was like, I could tell. It was so weird. He was like, I was like, this is such a horrible. First of all, don't say this to a trans person because I'm really easygoing and I'm chill about things like this, especially because I knew this guy on a more personal friend level. But like, it was still kind of like a weird thing to say. I wouldn't recommend it. But he was like, I could tell when you first got to the agency. But now, man. No, I, he's like, I couldn't even tell, you know, he's like, I, he's like, yeah, you like high five me for it. Now, you know, that's inappropriate on multiple levels, but it was weird because <laughs> I was like, I'm still me, you know what I mean? The whole time. Do you, so like a question about that, why is commenting, so like if someone, and, and again, I'm going to like ask questions that may make sure. me sound like a serious loser. But, no, you know, if I'm commenting on somehow how someone like, oh, you've lost weight, you have a great haircut, check out that tattoo. Oh, I like that new facial hair, whatever, like those types of things. Like that's rel- depending on the work situation. It's relatively it's relatively normal, right? Acceptable. Why is commenting on any type of transition when it is what like in his in this case, it's what you wanted. Right. So like he's saying, you got it, man. You look great. Look -hmm. at this transition. You're doing such like I'm I'm loving it. You know, I Mm -hmm. can tell before like he's validating what it is you wanted. Why is that inappropriate? Yeah. You know, Okay. again, like my own opinion, I like I said, like I I was like, that's cool. I'm being accepted. However, right. let me just spin it this way from a different perspective, right? So think about it in terms of like, and it, ironically, I just saw a really nice um, advertising campaign for this where the in parentheses is 4A, you know? So if you think about it in this sense, like, you know, wow, you're really good at that sport for a girl, you mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. you're really, you look really good for your age. You know what I mean? You look really good for a trans person. You look just like a guy for a trans person, you know, like I would have never known. So in that context, and you have to think about people's intent when it's, you know, for me, I was like, wow, I'm being accepted. But there are moments even in, you know, my career and other moments where I'm like, are people thinking, are people kind of just impressed with me because I'm trans? You know what I mean? Right. Is it just because like for, for being trans, like, no, I just want to be a special guy. You know, I don't want to be like a special trans guy, you know? Right. So right. It's all about just the context. And, you know, if you're, if you're good friends with somebody, you've talked to them for a while, like, I don't think it's that inappropriate yeah. personally. But if you don't know them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like, I mean, you can say, wow, you look really good, you know, or, or I don't know, maybe even the wow. <laughs> I think that if you tell anybody that you look good, I think that's a compliment. Personally. Right. Right. But, um, you know, or if you're like, you're looking good or like, you know, I don't know, or like, wow. Uh, you know, for me, I, I've told my trans buddy friends, like, look at that goatee coming in. You know what I mean? Like we're high vibe on each other on like, just, just the, um, the pro like the, the steps, the milestones, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun, but you know, obviously you just got to kind of know them and, and feel it out. Yeah. That would How- be my excuse. How does your drinking um, fit into your story around being trans? Is it was are those two things related at all? <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> it you know my looking back, yes. At the time, I wasn't you know I started drinking my hardest when I was dealing with my sexuality in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was in post grad, and I was 
distracted by a lot of things and just really kind of dealing with, you know, trying to like escape a lot of things, you know, alcohol for me has always, you know, been kind of a lie. When I've been drinking my hardest, it's been during times in my life where I'm trying to kind of avoid bigger things that Mm -hmm. are happening and just not think about it. And, you know, I stopped drinking the first time, yeah, (laughs) first time, uh, when I was out in Los Angeles and I had just taken my, like, second or third shot of testosterone. We have to inject testosterone. And, um, you know, it was, it started out as a kind of like this girl. um, Wait, that that was your first time ever? That I that I ever stopped drinking, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was stopped drink. Sorry, drinking. right? Yeah, yeah, stop yeah, yeah. drinking. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, wait, yeah, that's yeah. What? no, no. Okay, yeah. okay. This girl, like, I don't know. She, we kind of, we kind of had a little like tiff at a bar, and then she, it was kind of ended up being a challenge, but an off off color challenge. It was mm-hmm. like, well, you you do this or you do that, and I, you know, you, I can't believe that you're criticizing me for X Y Z when you drink so much. That was her comment. Right. I'm not going to spill her, the beans about what I was saying about her, but, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, watch this. Like, I, and I just mm-hmm. put, I put it down. But, you know, not to make excuses, but like I actually should have done that a long time ago. When I was in L.A., I hadn't I was partying in different ways than I should have been. But alcohol wasn't like I never hit like rock bottom with alcohol there, I had done that prior. So the, I had actually, cause if you do that in LA, it's social suicide. Like I've talked about this before, but like, you don't want to be the one stumbling around a bar in LA because your friend, like it's very judgmental city and they, people won't want anything to do with you. Yeah. So I really minded it. But at the same time, like it was a health reason because I knew I was becoming, right. you know, I was starting my transition. I was, it was much easier in that since I felt so confident and so put together and it was a new lease on life for me uh, with the, with starting testosterone stopping drinking regardless of why I got there how I got there I got there and I was there for a year and a half <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I, I loved it and then I I started again I fell off I was through you know I went through AA I actually traveled across the country like without you know from LA to New York now I'm in New York and I started again uh just I don't know. I fell off. I, I have a girlfriend and I love her to death, but it was just a very, it was kind of a social thing. It was, you know, I, I started thinking more and more and it was more of a phase. I didn't go out the first night and get wasted. It was like a New Year's Eve. I had a glass of champagne and then I was like, what? Well, and even since then I've handled myself. Like I haven't had any moments where it's been like crazy, but I just had my third top surgery, which is a chest surgery. Um, I think that everybody, uh, your audience can understand what that would mean for a trans guy. But um, yeah, I had a couple, I had, a, I had my first surgery and there were complications. Then I had, I had like a seroma. It was stupid. It was just like, it's been a real journey getting my chest and my body physically to the point that I want. Is it normally three? Like how many is surgeries? No, usually, well, for my type of surgery, I had periareola which is where they go around the areola, areolas and they like suck the fat out and then they tie. <laughs> I don't know how much detail you want me to go Yeah, to. yeah. But anyways, yeah, okay. Then they like tie the like circle tighter, you know? Okay. So it's, yeah, you so don't really fine. have any scars because it's like around your area. Got so it. it's like very minimal. And you have to be very small chested in order to 
to qualify for that. I see, I see. So there's a bit of a social thing in trans in our trans world where so many guys are like, or even non-binary people also get uh, top surgery. Anybody can have top surgery. Screw it. If you want top surgery, you can have top surgery. <laughs> you can top surgery. I, I'm, you know what? At the, end of the, at the end of this, I might. I mean, it's I'm like, get, oh God. Right. I know, right? It's more comfortable. You're fitting your clothes better. I mean, I recommend it. But anyways. <laughs> I'm married um, with kids. It's just, it's just a yeah, downhill, exactly. downhill from here. Carry more groceries, you know, it's like practical. <laughs> I'm a real practical. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyways. So there's you know, a there's... hierarchy, like if you have is it like it's it's it, interestingly with boob jobs, there's the same. Like if yep. you go under the muscle, it's like mm-hmm. you know, you go here, you have the areola, or there's also like mom's different mommy makeovers, like if you had yeah. to have the lift or you had to <laughs> Yeah, I, I live in Orange County, so it's you know. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <There's> lots, <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's lots of surgery going on here. It's no big deal. That's yeah, why I'm like, wait, yeah. what's the big deal with surgery? Is doesn't everyone have surgery? I know. I'm into it. Hey, I mean, well, we're all we're all modifying our bodies in some way. That's the other thing. Like people, people need to get over the whole like trans thing and body thing because like come on like you got your ears pierced you got a tattoo you're you're doing it too we're all transitioning in some way and so you know cast the judgment aside move to orange county see what see what <laughs> join the team there's, right? there's there's a lot of surgery going you on here be an outcast in orange county orange county yeah, if yeah, you it's, true. it's <laughs> so, true it's true you'll it's get a, a weirdo <laughs> what so like there's is there so there's hierarchy so there's no scarring yeah right for that. if you have and scars then, then you're like well that's the thing not as like, for me i was like i went in and i was like look i talked to the doctor and i was like i kind of want i don't mind i just want it to look good. i want i want the sculpting to be good on my chest i had worked out a lot you know i was like i want to retain that it's harder to retain with the periareola areola areola whatever uh but if you have double incision which is underneath yeah and you have the incisions they can pull the skin up tight around right. the pecs right so you don't have like you have a chance of especially being in my age my elasticity in my chest they explain you know you could have you you'll probably need a revision they tell you oh, uh, because they'll be like you know crinkling and stuff well i had the i, ha- I had the first one it was i had a little bit of a complication and caused some scar tissue i had a second one Still, no bueno. Didn't work. I went back in this third time, only like I don't know, a little, a little over a month ago now. I guess I'm nine weeks out now, so a couple months ago, and voila, I went with a different surgeon. I'm so happy. I like the scars. I mean, they're minimal. This guy's a pro. I got, I lucked out. I had a friend of a friend who knew him. He got me in. He doesn't even do the surgery. He does mostly bottom surgeries now. He's like a rock star. I'm very again very fortunate you know i mean there are people that haven't even had their first first surgery so i also try to contribute and donate where i can to kids funds you know but you know anyways my personal opinion about the scars i think it creates more of a contour to your pec muscle if oh there you go you know and they fade over time i've seen guys and i, I can't even tell if they've had top surgery so I don't even know where this is going. But yeah, I've, I'm happy with my results this time. Thank goodness. And, you know, I feel good. Oh, yeah. So I was, so that was it. Oh, so this getting sober again. So this last time. Wait, um, so tell us, like, how long were you sober right. the first time? And then when did you relapse? And then how long are you sober now? 
Right. So I was sober. Oh gosh, I'm not good with dates, but the first Rough, time like, it we, was we won't sure. hold you, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, my Instagram account it tells you when I started testosterone. So I was sober. I guess a uh, couple months before that. Then I was uh, sober for a year and a half. Well, a little over a year and a half. And then I fell off. And then I was, you know. And then during quarantine was when I really started realizing I got into a bad routine. You know, I would get off of work. There was, you know, I out here in New York, people, you know, New York being New York, a big old F you to the whole thing. Like bodegas, we, we have bodegas out here. Those are like convenience stores and they're on every corner. It's, I live in Brooklyn and our bodega was open. You know, they stayed open. They didn't care. And I would get off of work and there's nothing to do in New York. Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing to do in the world. Yeah, quarantine. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I would just like go next door and get like a Michelada, a couple of Michelados. It wasn't like I was getting wasted every night. That's no excuse. You know, everybody has their own meter of like, you know, alcoholism, what that, what that looks like. But it was just, I did not, I just found myself like drinking. Like if I was bored, if I was happy, if I was sad, you know, my mom says that she's an emotional eater. I'm an emotional drinker. I'm just like, let's celebrate. I'll have a drink. Let's, you know, I'm sad. Let's have a drink. Oh, right. I'm bored. Let's have a drink. So, and then I just, with my surgery coming up and I know my first one, I don't want to blame the surgeon fully. I mean, I definitely was drinking during my recovery, you know, not like crazy drinking again, but it was just something that it's poison for my body. I felt like, and if I'm trying to take all of these efforts and means to like get my body is, you know, to the point where I, I feel good about myself. Like, why am I going to stunt that growth or, or, or cause that any sort of, um, you know, I guess like d- detours. And so that's a, really, that's a bad way to explain it. Anyways, my third surgery, I said, I'm going to do it right. I quit smoking. I had been smoking, I, you know, growing up in Virginia, I was a smoker, you know, and probably a closeted smoker. I think a lot of my fans on my Instagram page didn't really even know. Uh, because <laughs> so, so let me I get just... this. Hold on. So hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, <laughs> let's check this out. So you, you, in your life, you, you came out as a lesbian, you came out, you've come out as transgender, transgender man. And mm-hmm. well, I was engaged twice too, as a lesbian to two different women. I was out as a lesbian for over for 10 years about, Okay, so that's you how were, long I was taking right. to just like so you, live life. You're first <laughs> presenting female dating men, and then you went lesbian, and then but and you have all of, like so much of this on your Instagram. But smoking, are yeah, you yeah. haven't come out as a smoker <laughs> to the world. This is amazing. Like that's that's the level uh, of shame that smoking has done now. Like true, you're all like, I'm gonna come out. You know, I'm gonna change my mind. Blah blah blah. But smoking, fuck that. I'm not coming out. <laughs> I love it. I came out. I came out officially. Like I really was like, look, I quit smoking because I was so happy about it. I I've quit twice before in my life for three years. So I'm not out of the woods yet, but I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> I've quit, I've quit so many times and it's, it's wild. Right. It's, and I, it's so much so harder, hard. even harder than alcohol. I oh think. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, oh yeah. And you know, you then think about it way vaping. more. Oh my gosh. And it, you know, I'm not trying to push, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it really, I would be raging and like, and like a cigarette and I'm just like, back to chill you know it's like i'm not saying you should do it 
I don't, and I think that it actually takes an effort to be addicted, which was weird because I remember the first time I it tastes like shit the first time, the first few times Mm -hmm. it's like I was doing it just to be cool, and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I was hooked. So luckily, it does take an effort to be hooked, but once you're hooked, you are hooked. And uh, you know, for the for the surgery, they said no nicotine at all. At all, not even no lozenges, no lozenges, nothing, no, no. So it was like, you know, luckily my girlfriend was um, working in Miami, painting a mural for a friend for the first week because she would have hit had the wrath of of Lucas. I'm very, very grateful that she wasn't around for that first week. It would just happen to fall like that because I just was looking for things to be angry about. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. luckily, you know, I, I made it through that. And then I also quit drinking and I've been, you know, just trying to, I'm, I've not quit chocolate cake yet. Mm. <laughs> That's an issue. One thing at a time, my friend, one <laughs> yeah, thing at a time. I know, I know. Oh my God. Wait, so you've been sober 88 days? Oh yeah, yeah. Eighty eight, I guess is that what it is? I'm almost to ninety now, huh? That's yep. awesome. You're about All to right. you're about to I love it. And that's exciting. So I have some questions around I has okay, so I have a couple of questions. So just for clarification, and I will help you with this, which is I know you don't speak for the whole of trans community mm-hmm. and that there are diverging opinions, but this is you're involved, sure. so hopefully it's helpful. So sure. So sex is assigned to you at birth. Okay. Right. Is that right? Right. Mm -hmm. Gender is how you express yourself. Right. Is that? Yeah, kind of. Because there's expression and then there's like expression can be different. And that's where it it does get super confusing. How would you describe gender? Right. How would I describe it? I mean, Mm -hmm. so... I've had many, 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 many talks, like kitchen talks with other trans people and everything. And we just go round and round because it does get confusing because then there are people out there that say gender is dead. But then how am I a transgender male? Man, You know, because I identify as a male. Right. Um, Which is actually binary, right? It is binary. Uh, Like, ironically. Right. So I don't personally think gender is dead. I think that that's stripping me of my own personal identity. Right. But I do think that I did. Okay. So I think that there now I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I also want to put that disclaimer out there, but I do think, and I know, well, I will say that having my experience, having estrogen in my body and, and living that, and then also having testosterone in my body. Now there are clear emotional effects of these hormones. Yeah. Okay? So I <laughs> yes. do. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So those to me can be, attributed to sex at birth like or hormones hormones let's say right because it's a you know you're that's a real like like factual black and white differentiation of like you have this hormone or you don't yes absolutely so i mean i personally have felt more calm Uh, well i wouldn't say calm i would say more i guess like level I feel like testosterone for me has leveled me out. Like I used to have a lot of racing thoughts. I used to overthink things uh, all the time, all the time. Like there's over so, and over and over. This is so good. When can I just like? Yeah. When I was a woman, I would overthink things. When I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. It's like, it was a mess. And listen, I will say. And look, thank God we I have an ally now. We know. Yes, and I. And it's funny because I pass on, I make, and I was talking about this the other day, 
there are so many times that yes, passing is a privilege, but it's also when I get into a room of women, it's not necessarily a privilege because they think I'm a guy, but I just want to be like, look, I know. You know like, I, mean? totally. I, get I get it. I, I totally can commiserate with you. I understand what's happening right? Um, physiologically or however you say, you know, yeah, emotionally, because I mean, there are mood swings that go along with estrogen. I felt them. I felt the um, irrationality of like, I just like, you know, I mean, you got to know, Ashley, right? It's like, oh, I know it. I know. I like, just think it's so funny because yeah. you, you like most men, like I talk to men and they're like, you women, are we, I can't follow, you know, and, and <laughs> they, they're like, what is the deal? Like, we both know each gender in, in this case, like we both know something different is going on with each other. Right. And I'm like, why can't you think about anyone other than yourself? Like, how is it, <laughs> how is it that no one, I mean, I have two little boys, they're four yeah. and mm-hmm. No one else exists on the planet. Now, that's normal for four-year-olds. But I see four-year-old little girls. They're still, like, thinking about other people. But, like, my, you know, boy, little boys, they're, like, mm-hmm. focused on what they need only. And I, yep. and and so it's just funny to me. Like, you have that exact, you have the experience now of just yeah. of, uh, on 100%. both sides. You can, ad, you can advocate for us. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think, any, I think all trans people will say that, you know, because it's like, um, we've lived it. I mean, I make decisions a lot easier now. Like, I, I just am like, this is it. I don't overthink it. I don't have to think too much about it. And mm-hmm. I just go on to the next thing. It is beautiful. I love it. I mean, with that, I've missed my emotions sometimes, you know, I can tell when I haven't been on schedule with my shot. I still have my ovaries and my, and my, um, female anatomy when it comes to my internal organs and um i'm i plan to get them removed for certain reasons there's just and some people don't but you know with that being said i can tell if i'm off my shot a few days because i start to tear up at commercials you know what i mean or whatever and i'm like whoa like what's happening i'm feeling you know and the deeper feelings i do miss interesting okay so um but you know it, you know, you got to take, you, you got to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good rather. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that way with it's right. that way for those of us with who are, life. who are in the right body. I mean, it's exactly you know, like, well, I guess this is what comes with it. Yep. And so, I mean, but when it comes to like the other things, you know, I, I was working out constantly. I was obsessed with it when I was younger and when I was with uh, my first boyfriend, you know, I would drag him to the gym at like, he would get off super late. We had a 24-hour gym membership. We would be at the gym at like 1 a.m. It was ridiculous. And I just kept working and working. I could never achieve the body that I was like, this is, this is, you know, me. So there are characteristics right. that, so, and now testosterone has allowed me to achieve that body. So that again is a male, I think, identified trait. But, excuse me, but like things, things like, the color blue, you know, or liking sports. You know, I was saying that earlier. I think that there are traits that, you know, you can group them. I don't think that they should be called male and female. I think that's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think they're like traits A and traits B. And traits A are, you know, hyperaggression or like, um, you know, being into sports or being into, you know, hardcore things like, you know, shoveling dirt <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> liking trucks or, you know, I don't right. know. And then there's like 
there's traits B, which are like liking softer things and being more. Now they can be related to like emotions though, I guess, you know, like I did mention, you know, aggression or like if there's more empathy that's happening or, or whatever. But personally, it's just, it's, it's an enigma to, to myself. I just know personally that I feel great in my body. I feel like I'm being seen for the first time. Which oh, is that's interesting. Being seen. the wildest yeah. thing. And that's how, you know, you know, you're on track. Cause like, you're aligned in like all parts of your being. Mm-hmm. Cause your identity isn't just is, identity. Unfortunately in the world of, you know, in this reality that we live in isn't necessarily a solitary thing. It's also, a, you know, your identity encapsulates how other people see right. and treat you, you know? Right. And so that's kind of part of it. And now that I'm being treated the way that I feel like I am, that I feel, I'm like, yeah, this is exactly how it should be. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. Hi, it's Christiana, your producer. And if you're like me and you love coffee or coffee alternatives, you can now shop with the cause by visiting lionrock.life and clicking on shop. of the profits fund substance abuse treatment for those who can't afford it. You can't really go wrong. We're now carrying, in addition to our amazing coffee, if you haven't tried it, matcha maiden organic matcha powder, love me some green tea, golden grind turmeric latte blend, and prana chai original blend. So we've got something for everyone. We love mixing these delicious coffee alternatives with something like milk or almond milk, oat milk, or even just hot water. The organic matcha powder is vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, and simply delectable. The turmeric latte blend, the winner of Australia's Best Beverage product in 2017, helps bring about relaxation and restoration while also nurturing your body. The prana chai, that has been my pregnancy craving, it's amazing, is blended in Melbourne from all natural ingredients and uses 100% Australian quality honey blended by hand with tea and whole spices. By shopping for coffee and coffee alternatives at lionrock.life, you are also helping provide substance abuse treatment for someone who can't afford it. Your favorite drink with the cause. So again, go to lionrock.life, click on shop, and you'll see our coffee and our brand new coffee alternatives. We hope that you enjoy it. Send us a picture. Maybe we will feature you on our Instagram as well. Why is there such an issue around bathrooms? Why do people not want to use the bathroom just they identify most with? I think that anything that people are uncomfortable... Okay, so I was raised, if you aren't hurting yourself or someone else, like, you're fine. You know what I mean? Right. I think that if anybody has any issue with somebody else other than themselves doing something that doesn't hurt somebody else or hurt them it's their own internal problem you know what i mean something is going on inside of them that makes them you know uncomfortable about something that's about them you know what i mean for me i I look at people that have a problem with me and i'm just like wow you got some things to work out you know what i mean like and i just let it go i'm like that's not that has nothing to do with me Nothing to do with me. Like me peeing in a bathroom, if if you really have that big of an issue with it, like, wow, like, you know, I'm peeing. Like everybody pees. That's gross for anybody, you know? And also you got to think about it this way. Like 
their porta potties at, at festivals, music festivals, we're all peeing together next to the in the porta potty. Right. You know, I don't know. Maybe those people who have a problem with it, like, don't use porta potties. I don't know. I don't want to like group people again. But well, but like, is but like with the there's at least from what my understanding, what I've seen is that there's a lot of upset about there being male and female bathrooms only. Right. And oh yeah yeah and what. That there's not, not another option. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And what I always wonder is, well, why not go with the one that you identify most with? Well, I will say, okay. So luckily I've also had the experience. So I can speak to this, that every trans person who is even passing has had a moment of tra- like full transition where I was kind of not identifiable as a male or a female, or I was identifiable as both to somebody else's perspective. Right, right, right. So those, in those moments, now I also have worked on a campaign that's uh, for MasterCard called the True Name Card, which is where it allows you to put your um, chosen name on your MasterCard. It's come out with this whole brand new product that was based on my own experience where I had my name given to me at birth on my credit card and my, and my bank card for forever. It took a very long time for me to change my name. I was just busy at work. You know how long yeah. it took to get me on the podcast. Like I've been yeah. super busy, but in New York, you know, luckily it's not a safety issue. Right. So I was, I didn't feel like I, like a lot of pressure on me to do that, but there were many moments that were very scary in the sense of just being super outed and super embarrassed because I already felt like people were trying to figure me out. Like, is that a guy? Is that a girl? But then when they see my card, they're like thinking, oh, it's a girl because it's got my old name on it. Right. So that's like, shout out to MasterCard for doing that. This isn't a plug or anything. That's literally my idea. But with that same, that same experience, while I was like treading in that gray area, the bathrooms were a place of the most like caused probably the most anxiety for me. Okay. Okay. Because it is a binary decision. Right. And yes, I identified as a male, but I, but, but again, I wasn't seen as really either. So, cause it was making other people uncomfortable. Right. Of course. I see. Yeah, I it, see. Was, okay. it was a social thing. So I was just, you know, I'd keep my head down, just try to like, if I had a buddy, I loved kind of palling around with other cis guys that were like chill. Like, you know, if I was at an, a work event or something, they would just be like, come on, Lucas, we're going in the men's room, you know? And I was like, cool. Cause I had like a buddy with me. It was like buddy system. They didn't, nobody messed with me, but like, if I can see that being like a huge, I mean, there was a moment where I was traveling across the country um, and I was only on testosterone for a couple months. Uh, and I, that was when I made the move across the country by myself. I just had my two dogs in tow from LA to New York. And, you know, I had to stop and get gas a couple of times and go into these shady gas station bathrooms and, you know, in Alabama or wherever. And I definitely had somebody almost chase me out of one and it was a scary moment. And I, you know, I had short hair. I thought that I was passing when I got the testosterone inside of me. I was like thinking like, I'm going to do, I, I look back at that and I'm like, I laugh. Cause I'm like, wow, I can't funny me to think that I was passing. So right. Much. But, right. But yeah, I think that I don't, I just think that a toilet is a toilet. And I think that the more economical solve would just be to kind of have stalls in a room. Like everybody should have the option of a stall or, if they want, I don't know. 
I mean, urinals with doors <laughs> as opposed to right. creating a, a brand new third bathroom. Right, right, right. I don't right. really think that means that's, that's overkill. <laughs> you know? Okay. No, that's helpful to understand like that in between thing. So thank you. Um, sure. I had a question about, and you kind of spoke to it, dead naming. So why is it? Okay. So this is not probably accurate, but the way I think about it is I used to be this other person that was a really shitty person when I was using and drinking and like not someone that I want to be, not someone that I want other people to identify me as that kind of thing. And I did look different, but I don't hesitate. And maybe this is just my experience because some people do, but like, don't hesitate to talk about that person or, or to like Mm -hmm. get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Reference them or I'm not, or like photos of that person or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're embarrassing, but I laugh about them or whatever. There's a different Mm -hmm. feeling around it. And I'm wondering about with dead naming, one thing I notice in the trans community is that there's this aversion to talking about the, 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 what they look like, what their names Mm -hmm. were, even like, even sometimes I've seen like um, all the family photos are gone or I've seen like not referring to which gender they were born. Like no, they wouldn't talk about which gender they were, you know, whatever it was. And I'm curious about that because it's especially if you've made the transition to who you are today and you're talking about being trans, right? I get it if you don't want anyone to know, but if you're talking about it, why is that why does that color who you are today when people are accepting who you are today? And, and, and why is that an issue? Right. Okay. Well, um, well, first of all, I just probably need to say that. Um, so like we do also, some, some people in the community happen to have a bit of an issue with like the term dead naming. I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Oh, okay. It's okay. Like, What's the I'm right gonna, term? I usually say like name assigned at birth, like, or like, um, what is it like, but, you know, name assigned at birth or like your, your old name or like your, um, oh gosh, I'm, now I'm blanking. Cause I still say dead name personally. I don't, I, I learned think that dead think naming from Twitter. I learned right. Twitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, people use it, but the, there is a controversy behind it because I just think the idea of like dead or yeah. death, like, I, mean, I mean, that you makes know, sense. we have a lot of suicide in our community right, right, and like, right. and like killing off that old person yeah. is kind of a little dark for people. Um, I think it's just like to say like, but, and also like, you don't ever want to, yeah. Like you don't want to ever ask like, what was your old name? I get that a lot. actually. Why? And it's weird because of all the things that I've had to talk about, and my girlfriend can attest to this. I've, she doesn't have a problem. She's also trans and she doesn't have, she's very out and proud. Um, whole nother story. She was outed by the media, actually. That's a long story. And I love her to death. And I feel very, very bad about that experience for her because it's nobody's business. But um, <laughs> I digress. She has no problem talking about her old, her old name. And oh, there you go. Maybe old name or old name. Okay. Previous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, previous name or, or name given to you at birth, you know, name assigned at birth. Uh, anyways, but I, when I, upon first, upon us beginning to first date, upon us dating in the beginning, I would, I was very, I had a major aversion to like her asking or using it. And sometimes she would try to refer to me as my old name and I would not like it. And just even saying like, oh, I don't think I would have dated so and so, you know, had I met. Them, oh, you know, interesting. Back then, sort okay. of thing. 
And I didn't, it, it gives me the creepy crawlies. Um, even when I was a kid though, I didn't like the name. I was constantly trying to like, like they called me, my last name is, um, should I tell people my last name? It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Find me. No, <laughs> um, no, but my last name is Krigler. So I, my nickname growing up was based on my last name is Craig's. So I was, and even in LA, I was like, I wanted to be called Craig's. Like I thought it was very kind of like neither here nor there. And I could always yeah. write it off as a nickname. Yeah. Craig Craig's. The whole idea of being and bringing up your old name is kind of akin to being called something derogatory. It's hard to explain, but it's almost like all my life I was called this name and I love my parents. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I came up with my new name too and how they were a part of that is beautiful. But, um, you know, I love my parents. I appreciate them giving me the name. And that's what really hurt my heart. I really wanted to accept and be able to talk about this old name and this old person. But you're not seen by people for so long as who you are. And you're called this name over and over and over again. It is really almost like a knife in your heart every time you're called this name. Because it's like you do not identify. It's almost like somebody calling you something that's uh, derogatory, you know, or like... uh, some sort of like, you know, and, and the same with misgendering, like being called she, her, it's, it's almost like somebody just digging that in like over like and over Like you'll never again. fit in. Like you can, yeah. you don't fit in. Yeah. It's a bad, it's, it's like a bad name, you know? I it's, see. It's I like, see. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I can't explain it. It's so, you are. I really you're, you're doing a good, to, you're doing a good job explaining it. Emotionally. It was, it's, it's tough for me. And I think it's just because that's like not at all who I was. And the same thing, like we were talking about, like once that shield was gone, once that, once that shell was removed and I was like freed from this while it was like, I was in jail. Like I could see out, yeah. I could see everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, it's almost like an, uh, twilight zone you know where i don't know i saw this twilight zone once where somebody in haiti gets blown you know stuff like i don't know it was a twilight zone and they blown some powdery mist into their face and they go paralyzed but and it's almost like their entire body shuts down and their heartbeat everything is barely detectable it's the most craziest horror story i've ever heard but the guy was still alive and he could see through his eyes but he's paralyzed on the table as you know the autopsy starting to begin and you can oh hear God. his thought the whole yeah the whole movie is like him his thought and he's like i'm here i'm here i'm alive i'm alive and he's like maybe if i just move my pinky oh my god i can move my pinky i can move my pinky look because he's you know the the medicine starts to wear off and he's like trying to move his pinky but he can see everything that's happening and you know what ironically this might tie back into being trans it's really sad but it's like the thing that gets him out of the position is he starts to think he just gives up and says i guess i'm just gonna die i'm gonna actually die and you know as they're getting the the saw out the saw his brain open or whatever he starts to think about his kids and he cries and that's what and then he sees it they see a tear coming down his eye and then they're like oh this guy's alive you know but that's all that's the only thing he a tear like wait you know gets him out of the position really really bad analogy but that's really what it feels like it's like i'm in here you know and I can see you, but you can't see me. So once that's gone, it's like, I don't want to see that shell anymore. It's weird. Right. You know? okay. It's just okay. kind of creepy. But I appreciate like people remembering me for me. But you know, there are people that have known me through the whole thing and they've been like, 
this makes sense. They right. see me now and they're like, this makes more sense. Uh, I love it. Yeah, that makes, and, and so like with the surgery piece, given like following kind of the, like what you're saying, <laughs> uh-huh. you're okay. Um, following kind of what you're saying, cause I was going to ask about like, why the need for surgery? I mean, you know, I can make up, I obviously know some of the reasons, but like, especially when like, especially bottom surgery, Um, that's not outward, you know, why, Mm -hmm. why this need, why, why like removing ovaries, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody can see that. Like what's the, Mm -hmm. you know, the different things. And, and, and so my curiosity or what I'm think I'm hearing you say is that basically it's so, you feel like you're wearing a costume every day of your life and that Mm -hmm. you didn't get to choose. Someone put you in this Mm -hmm. and that, and people are reacting to that costume or like, like you're wearing a uniform for a job you don't work at, but everybody keep walking up to you, asking you for directions because you're wearing, you know, uh, you're, you're wearing a, you know, a customer service sign or something like, like, and you're like, no, I don't work here. And, (laughs) and like, I'm wearing a blue polo, but I don't work at Best Buy. Right. Exactly. And and everybody, exactly. And everybody keeps coming up to you like, okay, where do I find the electronics? You're like, I don't work here. And we're like, yeah, but your shirt says Best Buy. And like, it has your name. Yeah. This is your name, but that's not my name. And, and so having like Mm -hmm. there's a deep desire to have everything in alignment and match Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is that is that and so the surgery gets you to basically like now you're just Mm -hmm. you're just exactly who you are is that is that kind of am I on the path yeah yeah definitely and I think that you know it just looks it looks different for everyone and I think that you know even as cisgender people which are people who are born aligned like their their bodies match their mind you know it, it looks different i mean you know i mean but until they get a tattoo or until they get their ears pierced and then it's even more aligned right so for us being trans like some people their journey to alignment can go as far or as as close you know as it needs to for them to feel complete and for me I didn't really get into this, but yeah, part of my story also was along with the drinking excessively, which I thought was also a very masculine trait Mm. when I was, you know, I was trying to hang with the guys, Mm -hmm. like throw back the beers, you know, and, and, um, tobacco. uh, I tried it. I I tried a cigar. I tried it. Yeah, I know. And, um, puked it up Mm because I was drinking whiskey. I mean, my dad, yeah, it's, my dad doesn't drink, but I was, he was at some surf and turf, like men's club thing that we, me and my boyfriend at the time ended up at. And I was probably like 20, you know, and one of these old men were like, Oh, I'm try a cigar. You know, I was like, sure. But, um, you know, what does it look like to, for me personally to be masculine? Right. So during those times I wasn't on hormones. So I, I was trying to overcompensate with a mm-hmm. lot of different things. I was trying to date the most feminine women, I was driving, I bought a pickup truck when I was living in Utah. Yeah, I lived in Utah for a minute. It's a whole nother, whole nother <laughs> podcast. But I, <laughs> you know, I bought a pickup truck. I have two big dogs, you know, uh, boxer mixes that I raised on my own. You know, the smoking, the drinking. I just thought it was like, you know, James Dean. It was just like super cool and raw and, and masculine. So, right. So what happens now that I'm like aligned, uh, you know, I, for me, a lot of these things, I don't need them anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's also quite a bit of 
the reasons for my recovery for me being a lot like I went to meetings the second time around they're virtual you know I was in and out of you know I, I went to a lot of meetings in the beginning of getting sober but this second time around I'm still going to meetings but I didn't it, it's been easier to not you know I, I truly believe it's because I'm just more you know, like myself, like, I, yeah, I'm just, and I also remember what it was like to, to be sober for that year and a half. I really loved it, but I'm just, you know, being able to enjoy the moment, be present, be, you know, grateful for the little things, the small moments, you know, and not feel like everything is accentuated by alcohol because it's actually stripping you of, of being aware of the beauty you're missing so much. <laughs> you're also missing the horrible DJ at the club that everybody <laughs> thinks is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which accurate. Really, accurate. I'm like, I'm like looking around like this guy isn't, he's not, it's not that good, but nobody realizes that you're also <laughs> projecting a mask onto other people so that, yes. you know, like you're totally. like, suddenly somebody looks much better than they did when you were sober, you <laughs> totally. know? So now everybody's in a mask. Annoying. Yeah. I'm always yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Like, the, you know, your cue to leave when people are start repeating themselves and they're very close in your space. And you're like, Haha, you've already told me that story a million times and I'm just going to, you know, slip out the door. And you know what? I'll tell you something about sobriety and I'm totally digressing here, but somebody told me a while ago, you know, I was scared about the social aspect of it because I was a very socially growing up in the South. Like I was taught, you know, or I was just, you know, socially trained, you know, to talk to people <laughs> like, you know, even when you have nothing to say, if you're in the grocery store right. and they got to go, you got to say something like, yeah, you're an asshole if you are, if you don't. Yeah. So I finally started realizing, <laughs> I don't know if it's me turning 40 this year or what, but also being sober, just like being comfortable in these silence, you know, it's okay to sit in a room with somebody and not have something to say. I don't well, always have to be living in New York city probably helped. Oh, it does. I love it. <laughs> I love it for that. <laughs> Although I miss, I really miss the beach in LA. I really miss the weather, but yeah, it's really nice to not you know, you're weird if you say something to somebody. Right, <laughs> if somebody's right. nice, but you know, obviously, I returned the effort. But, uh, but yeah, as far as aligning, I'm sorry, I'm totally digressing here. But so I did all these things. I was dating, you know, and then one of them obviously also was dating really beautiful women. And then, you know, there was a moment where I was presenting mail. I was passing his mail. I wasn't. I was single, and I started realizing, like, you know, I'm not going to deny, like. Guys are, I know I'm attracted to guys again, you know, and that's fine. Like I date a woman now still, but you know, it was really such a, such an awakening to realize like, I'm so confident in who I am and, right. and happy and I feel fine. Like I'm, 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 I really am just like really realizing that anybody who has an issue with me and I've realized it, it's, it's full, full on, like they have an issue with themselves. They're insecure. I'm confident. And hey, if I think that guy's hot, like I'm gonna be like, hey, that guy's hot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because I don't need my sexuality doesn't define my masculinity anymore. I define it myself. I've taken ownership of that, you know? So I'm masculine in and of myself. So I don't have to like put on these, you know, other other um means yeah. to like, validate that. I'm validating myself. That that makes that makes total sense. I've I've dated women before and um briefly and you know, and, and I've always been like, I mean, as far as I'm like, I've dated women, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty straight. I don't know. Like I'm yeah. what I'm whatever. And, totally. and although I, I always tell my husband, like if, if 
you know, if you die or we divorce, I'm going to marry a woman next time. They're just way more, <laughs> they're way more helpful. Um, but, you need one of each. Maybe. Yeah. I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you're like, when you talk about that, I, I, I relate in the sense of like, I don't really worry about it if I'm like, oh, that, that chick is super hot or that, you know, dude is super yeah. hot. Like, I don't really worry about it because I'm pretty clear, like on mm-hmm. who I am and what I'm about. And I can see that like, if you were really confused about that or uncomfortable, mm-hmm. those are the things like if someone, I always say to uh, my sponsees, like, look, if someone walked up to me and was like, oh my God, you're so tall. It's crazy how tall you are. You're just like this crazy Amazon tall woman, right? Like I would be very confused because I'm not that tall. But if someone came up to me and was like, wow, you are so fat and you are blah, 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 blah. And like, Mm -hmm. right? Like because I struggle with food issues and I struggle Mm. with body image, that would be very painful. And so I would take it on. Right. So it's really, I mean, I'd also think that person was weird, but that Mm. what we hear and what we react to is all about what's going on for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if it's Mm -hmm. something that doesn't make any sense, then we'll just Mm -hmm. be confused. Right. If someone's, if someone's like, Oh my gosh, you have the greenest hair in the world. And you're like, what? That's, That's, you know, right. So I'm not affected. I'm not personally injured by things that don't make any sense to me because I can't make, I'm like, that doesn't make no sense. But when there's something there, Hmm. when there's something soft about that particular thing, that, that hurts my feelings. That's what. That's really interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, um, I don't, cause I will say that like, if somebody was to say something about my personality, um, for some reason that would probably affect me more than if so. So, I mean, let's jump to the, jump to the case here, or jump to the point, like the topic, the topic, right. The surgery. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't had bottom surgery. Okay. okay. And I don't mind talking about that person. Okay. Like that's just like, for me, Again, I just think that I'm just so happy where I am. I guess also in contrast to where I've been in my in my body and my transition, like I'm very happy with with where I am, you know. And I'm very I find a lot of like peace. I've, I've found peace in that. Yeah. But when it comes to like, if somebody was to be like, "Yo, you don't have a dick, bro," like I would be like, "I don't care," because I mean, first of all, personally. <laughs> I haven't had any complaints from my lovers, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not right. trying to be like, but, you know, also... Putting it out there. Yeah, but also, like, look, if I can wave a magic wand and have it, and have it work, and have it be great, perfect, as if I was born with it, by all means, I would do it in a heartbeat, like, why not? But the complication rate, I my top surgery doctor told me that the complication rate for men, or for people who want a male anatomy yeah. is 40%, 40% complications. Like yeah. real and complications. Mm-hmm. The complication yeah. rate. And is that like, that's like significant complication. Like, yes. like, like Houston, and we have a problem. If yeah. I was to have bottom surgery, I would have, the surgery would go as I would have to go down a list of traits and order them in a ranking of what I think is most important uh, because you cannot have it all. So if I want sensitivity, it might not completely look correct, you know, or if I want um, to be able to pee standing up, you know, I might not have as much sensitivity or, you know, if I want to be able to penetrate, you know, it's like all of these different things, you know, going on. So 
That's yeah, interesting. But to have it all is very hard to do. And it's not, I'm not saying that it's not possible. They're still working on it. And that's the other thing is like maybe in 10, 20 right. years, like, but of course by then I'll be 60 and I don't think I'll care. Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But, um, but for women, it doesn't, it's quick. It's just, you know, it's one surgery and I'm not saying there's not complications there, but you know, for oh, the trans really? women that I know that have had bottom Male to female is, is easier. Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for that. Now the trade-off in that life is, you know, a lot of women, it's harder to present or pass as a female. It's very hard if you start that later in life, because it's easier to scale up than it is to scale down. It's lower. To take away facial hair, you know, to scale down your jawline. Like these are just options obviously, but, um, it's much harder, I think, for I think that trans men have it easier to present and pass if they start later in life. I started transitioning at 35, you know, and but if I had started as if I started born as a male and started transitioning to female at 35, I think it would look a lot different. You know, I you know just have would, a lot more surgeries to like feminize things. Right. Is that- and yep. I could be taller, you know, at least oh, right. I'm five, seven. So that is one thing, you know, some trans guys are, are, I'm about, I'm five, seven, which was pretty normal for a female, like maybe even a little, yeah, older, a little like tall. Tall, yeah, yeah, a little bit tall, maybe like an inch or so tall, but I am a small dude. Like I remember first <laughs> starting to feel like I'm like, yeah, I'm passing. Yeah. Right. I'm, you know, I look like a dude. I'm going to go out. So I went out to a club. And <laughs> You're like, oh I was shit, like, I'm short. <laughs> what? I was like, blown, right? Because like, right. I had like I a didn't even six think of that. pack. I was yeah. like ripped. I didn't even think because like I just had completely forgotten like guys are freaking big. And I used to play uh, rugby, you know, as uh, prior to transitioning. And there's no way I could never play rugby again. I, there's some things I had to kind of just like shelf, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to play for the women. Cause I would be yeah. much better. You know, I think personally, not right now. I haven't worked out cause I have my time surgery. I feel like I can't wait to work out again. It's crazy. It's like, I have to work out. And that's the other thing. Testosterone. You have, it's like, at least for me, for me personally, like working out was like a totally different, like, it was like a necessity as right. opposed to, I mean that, and like the, the sex drive in the beginning was just like insane. Like I would be working on my computer and it would just be like, like in the middle of the day, like I would just like, it just comes out of the blue. Like you're horny. <laughs> like it's like, yeah. what is this? I, well, that's helpful for, for uh, the rest of us to understand like what's, yeah. what's happening with and these people like, who are like masturbating at work. Anything. Yeah, it's true. Like I, it was like I get it. I get why guys have to do this now. Like it's like it's really, really interesting. It's been such a such a journey, <laughs> such a strange journey. If you were to like, if there's any people out there who are listening who are struggling with their identity in some way, shape, or form, whatever that looks like, what would be like? And they're in the beginning of this journey. Mm-hmm. What would be a piece of advice that you wish you had had at the beginning of this, of this journey that you could pass on to them. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, I would say 
Well, there's two. I mean, it depends on what you're what you're looking for here. I've had first. I'll start with the story. So I had a lot of kids reach out to me on Instagram that were always like asking me, "Should I transition? Should I take testosterone?" Mm. And that's not for me to decide, you know. And I would have to explain that to them. But the way, you know, how do I know that I'm trans is a question I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. What's your answer? Right. And so the way that I would go about answering this is I would say, you know, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you what I did. And I took a full on year um, out in L.A. to just live the life. I was surrounded myself by a community, a supportive community. And but then the whole time I was thinking about transitioning, I kept putting myself mentally on a deserted island. And I would ask myself over and over again, if, if there was a vial of testosterone there with a syringe, would I inject it? Would I take testosterone with no one else around, no one to live for? And mentally, I would go there over and over again. And every single time it was yes, every single time. And that was how I knew. I just knew at that point that I was living for someone other than myself if, if I wasn't going to transition um, with hormones. So it was just something that, you know, I took into consideration over and over again. And it was so, it made it so easy. I just like knew immediately. I, I don't even want to say I went there over and over again. I was just doing it for the year. It's the same as changing my name. Like I was just always so accepted by like my parents and my yeah. friends. And I was so lucky that like, I never felt that like when I came out as trans, I was like, I'm trans. And I didn't tell my parents for a year. I was all the way out in LA and I was just like, kind of like, again, it was just this complete phase into it all. And that was how I knew, you know, it was just super, super chill. It wasn't like, boom, I woke up and I was, boom, I was, I had to be on to, and you know, like I said before, it's a safety issue for a lot of people. So they have to do it. They wake up and they're like, I got to do this. You know, I have to, you know. Because because people in their community are going to, like, you know, violence around the country. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, violence, discrimination, um, you know, um, and the faster you get to that end point. And that's that's the other thing, you know, when it comes to bottom surgery, some people need that, you know, they need that to, like, completely aligned to be complete uh, on a number of different levels. Like we were discussing earlier, like identity doesn't just end with in, internal identity. It, it, you know, sometimes it encompasses how other people view you and right. it, it sucks, but it's true. You, you take a lot seen. of that on being seen. Yeah. 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 And so, and, and see, not even, you know, you, there are people that identify as male or female, but don't necessarily aren't necessarily seen. And, I know that that's hard for some people to wrap their heads around, but, you know, like I said, like when I was coming out and I, that year that I wasn't on testosterone, I thought I was, a you know, all my friends were calling me, he, him and, and Craig's. I didn't, I didn't have a name. I, Cause I, and that was horrible. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't want to like make anybody uncomfortable. But I had a good friend of mine just tell me like, there was this trans friend of mine who guided me in a couple of different things. It was, uh, when I was, before I was passing as a male, they were like, yo, like who cares? Just walk, you know, I was worried about like walking through, you know, the security at an airport and they were just like, just go through, who cares? Yeah. And I was like, oh, how could you do that? I mean, wow. You know, right. And at the end of the day, they twisted it into 
it's their problem. You right. know, it's like, you got to think, you know, they're projecting onto you. You need to be the strong person and be like, yeah, I am so, I am here with conviction. I am who I am. And if you have a problem with it, that's your problem, you know? And it's so powerful to be able to get into that mind frame. And, you know, they talk about that in alcoholism too, you know? It's like, yeah, it's like if, if anybody has a problem with you not drinking at a bar or, you know, you, yeah. hey, do you want to drink? you want to drink? Oh, no. Well, that's something's going on in them. They probably don't want to drink or they, if, if they or they don't want to drink alone. Right. Yeah. Right, they yeah. know they're going to drink anyway or mm-hmm. yeah, it's awkward totally. for them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You know, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking was that like when you were talking about the the airport and what have you, you know, from my perspective as someone who is like, like, you know, everyone should be who they want to be. You know, if you're not hurting anyone else, go for it. Like, I I don't, who am I to say, right? And one thing I will say though, is I do get curious when I see someone, I'm like, are you, is that like, I, mm-hmm. and I think I could see how that could, someone might be thinking that I'm judging them or right. that I'm, you know, but like, no, I just am like, wait, you know, like my eye catches something. And, right. and I, 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 do want to say that like, you know, I try to not be obvious about those things, but you know, there is a level of curiosity that is not meant to harm. I'm sure it's not helpful. (laughs) You know, like you can tell people are like, I can't tell if you're a boy or a girl. Um, but I, you know, yeah, like like genuine. Yeah. How do I, how do you want to be seen is the question that I think that, you know, again, it gets back to like intent. Is it malicious or is it truly like, I'm just trying to like see you the way that you want to be seen. Right. Right. So how do you ask that? I guess. And, you know, we work, I used to work with companies kind of like to help guide them a little bit um, with just like how to address like customers, for instance. And I think personally, you know, one of the ways that we talk is, is if you introduce yourself to kind of create a an inclusive space and say, you know, I'm Ashley, she, her, you know what I mean? And if you say she, her to this person who's probably exploring their own identity, it creates a safe space for them to then offer their pronouns and then you're on your way, you know, and as opposed to just saying like, what are your pronouns? I used to just say, what are your pronouns? Because I also was kind of obviously struggling with my, or not struggling, but like searching for my identity. So I would go to these like events at, in, in LA and I was, and that was never, nobody ever was like, oh, I can't believe you asked me my pronouns. Right. You know? I think, I think it's better to ask if you, if you have to ask as opposed to like get, you know, offering your pronouns, you know, I, I don't think that that should be seen as unacceptable. And Hey, if they, if they take offense to that, then you tried and you're maybe just talking to the wrong person but right, at least right. you didn't go off offending somebody who's non-binary or or uh trans you know I, if you offer your pronouns that's great i also if you're just casually talking about somebody to another person who is not who is you know cis and you're trying to refer to somebody i usually a lot of us in the trans community we just defer to them they you know if you don't really know you know i don't think that's an insult either but i wouldn't it's, it's more of a faux pas to assume that, you know, you know, mm. so I just go there, I they, stay with their first name, whatever they go first by. Name, yeah. That's like, <laughs> for me, that's what I do. I'm like, I just yeah. keep it to, to the first name. I'm like, I know I'm yeah. safe there. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
you are an incredible man and and person in recovery. And I'm so excited and grateful that you took the time to come on here today. And I hope that lots of people hear this and are inspired by all the different aspects of your story because you have you know, recover, you have recovered your identity, right? So it's not, it's like not just recovery from alcohol and drugs and you're recovering Mm -hmm. your identity. And I think that's just incredible and, and a real, you know, victory. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I I just want to say, you know, um, we didn't get too far, you know, it's a whole other podcast at some point, but I know that I've actually been looked down upon at some points for, you know, my Instagram being filled with like, all this happiness and glee and like, you know, making it look like it's easy, but you know, I've had my low points too. And I had like a really, really low point when I was living in Utah and, you know, I almost gave up. And a year later I hit the highest point of my career Mm. and I was in a completely different place. I was in LA. I, I had everything going for me. And, you know, if I had followed through with some of that, you know, letting, letting the negative thoughts kind of infiltrate and lead me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And it's not, you know, just because I, I definitely come from a place of privilege, especially now presenting, which we whole nother podcast again, but, you know, not only am I presenting as a, as a male now, which has, you know, gender privileges, I've always also been white. And so that's a big thing where it's like, you know, a hundred percent like privileged city, which it's sad and that needs to change. And, you know, especially like our black and brown, you know, trans women who are some of the most at risk in our community and in the world really uh, for violence. And, and I just kind of want to shout out to them and, and anybody else who's struggling to just like surround yourself, even if it's one person in your hometown that gets you, that's your friend you know, surround yourself with that person, cling to those people that see you for who you are and, you know, try to try. And the more, you know, there's power in numbers, you know, even if it's one person, then you'll attract another, then you'll attract another. And eventually I think that you'll be able to get out of the the situation that you're in. There's always hope. And, you know, like I said, it was a mere year or even a a less than a year later that I was in a a better place Uh, and just keep one foot in front of the other. And it's, it's worth it. You're worth it. And we see you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The the other thing I wanted to say just for resources, if you go to lionrock.life, we have their meetings called community meetings. And there's one specific to the LGBTQIA plus group, which is Tuesdays and Thursdays. You don't have to be sober. People are in all different types of recovery. And that is specific to a group of people who are recovering in some way, shape or form and getting together and doing work together and seeing each other. So if that is something that people are looking for, that is a place to connect and share and recover. I highly encourage, encourage that. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lucas. Much appreciated. Well, thank you, Ashley. It's been a joy and a pleasure. And I love I love it all the way around and the community that you've built. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.